It's good to be in the presence of God. It's good to worship together. Uh, it is just good to encounter his presence. Um, and if you're online with us, I wish you could be here. Uh, I, I know what it's like to watch online, and I, I know it's, you get some, and it's okay, but it is so much better when we are able to worship together and sing together. And so we're thankful for this technology that keeps us connected when you can't be with us, and we look forward to the day when you can be with us uh, together here. Um, and so it's good to be with you. Um, I am very excited about jumping in to this Revelation sermon series. Um, and I know I've had a lot of people ask me a lot of questions about this, uh, kind of why are we going into this? And I, I just, as we jump into this, I want to make a few things really clear uh, to just kind of help set the record straight right out of the gate. Uh, we are not jumping into this message series because I'm watching the news and I'm really worried right now. That's not why we're doing this. We're, I, I am not starting this sermon series in Revelation because, oh my goodness, you know, the, it, the, all this is happening and I'm seeing all this line up. Uh, this, this has been on the calendar long before what has happened in the Ukraine. You could have looked at my calendar six months ago, and you could have seen that we were going to start a Revelation sermon series this Sunday. This, God, God knew what was going on long before any of us knew what was going on. Uh, this is, we serve a God of order. We serve a God of planning. And I believe that the Holy Spirit can inspire this morning as well as he can inspire six months ago. And it was about six months ago that the Lord began to stir that we would do this series this morning. The other thing that I want you to know is I don't intend to talk about how uh, there's any connection between the mark of the beast and the COVID-19 vaccine. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that. We're not going to go down those roads. Uh, we, we are not uh, going to look at any Hebrew numeric codes that spell out the name of Hitler or Hussein or Putin. We're not going to do those things. We're, I'm not going to pull up wall charts and show you this is where we are on the timeline and we got to figure all that. We're not going to do those things. But what I do want you to know as we jump into this series is if you are someone who has looked at the book of Revelation and it has always been this book that is scary to you. And it has always been this book that is so confusing and got all of these weird images and you've just kind of avoided it because it's just so different. As we jump into this series, I, I promise you there is clarity in this book. And I believe as we begin to look at it together and as we begin to unfold the message of Jesus to his church, there is hope to be found. If you're someone who is looking around the world and you are just wringing your hands and you are thinking, what is going on and, and, and where are we at? And, and all of this and all the darkness and all the fear and all the war and everything that's happening in Russia and Ukraine. And as you see all of these things, you're, you're just you're consumed with fear and you're consumed with concern and you're consumed with all of the darkness and you're wondering, where is God? I promise you the book of Revelation has a word for you. I promise you the book of Revelation has hope for you that you don't have to live in that space. Our, our world is just pumping out fear. It is, it is the message of the day. And it, it bothers me, it really does, that this book 
that was given to the church as a book of hope, that was given to the church as a, as a book that filled them with courage in the midst of difficult times, has been robbed from the church because of bad teaching and because of fear pumping out. I, it is, when, you, when you look at the popular books on the book of Revelation, when you look at the popular teachings on the book of Revelation, it is filled with nuclear holocausts and asteroids that are destroying the world or whatever other screenplay that the next Hollywood movie can come up with. And it's usually God who is the one doing the destroying. And here's what I want you to know. The book of Revelation makes it clear that it is human beings and it is our great enemy, Satan, who is the one who is doing all the destroying. And Revelation makes it clear that our God is a God who isn't the God of destruction, but he's the God of resurrection. He's the God who is making all things new. He's the God that can somehow take the worst of situations and he can make something beautiful out of it. That is what this book teaches us. That is what this book tells us. And I am, I'm so excited as we jump into this, I, I have been reminded this week, as I've, as I've watched the news, and, and some of you, you know that I don't watch the news, I, I like to stay in my dark hole of, uh, I just, I, I, I turn on the news once a month, and I go, yeah, nothing's changed, uh, you know, so, and then I just move on, I just, and, and I know you think, oh, that's not wise, listen, I'm happier, okay, don't, don't judge me, um, I, I'll live longer, um, I don't watch the news, but, but I've got a lot of staff people around me, and I've got a lot of people around me who tell me when there's something I should know, and, and they told me this week, you, you should turn on the news, that you should, you should watch what's going on, and I've, I've tuned in, and I've watched this, and I've been reminded as I've seen what's happening with Russia, what's happening in Ukraine, and, and the impact that that is going to have on so many people, even people in our congregation, even people that are in this room right now that have family on both sides of the border, that the impact that this is going to have on so many people, and I'm just reminded, we need this book of hope. We need this book of hope. I, I was reminded this week why we need this book of hope as I held Ava Stanifer's hand the morning before she went home to be with Jesus. And I thought about what she has given to this church, the difference that she has made and the fact that she's one of the last founding members of our congregation. And I just thought about when we lose people like that, we need this book. We need this book. I, I thought about and I was reminded how much we need this book this week as I stood at the side of a hospital bed of someone who was in great pain and the doctor said, we don't know what's going on. At that moment, there's all kinds of fear. And as we prayed, I was reminded how much we need this book. I was reminded this week how much we need this book as I met with two different people who Satan is attacking in very different ways. And as we just talked about, how Satan was coming against them and, and just the, the difficulties and the challenges, I was reminded how much we need this book. I spent all day Friday and Saturday with Luke Benjamin, who was here a few weeks ago from Revive Church in Jacksonville. And, and we just talked about the challenges that is facing their church and the, the, the things that just seem insurmountable that, 
that are the, the community area around them and what they're going to do to make a kingdom difference. And, and I was reminded how much we need this book. And so if you have avoided the book of Revelation, I want to invite you to stop avoiding it because you need it. If you have been afraid of the book of Revelation, I want to encourage you, this is not a book of fear. This is a book of hope. This is a book of encouragement. It was meant to give us courage when times are darkest. And so I cannot wait to jump into this series with you. And I know that God has a word for all of us. And if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn with me to the book of Revelation and I want to read Revelation chapter 1 to us. If you don't have your Bibles, um, you can go to Version on your phone. Uh, if you don't have that, you can look at the screen. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. I just want to encourage you as we go into this series. We're going to spend eight weeks covering the first 11 chapters uh, of Revelation. And then we're going to take a break because I didn't think you could handle 16 weeks of Revelation. Uh, so then we're going to take a break. And uh, we'll get through the summer, and then in the fall, we're going to come back, and we're going to look at the last 11 chapters of the book of Revelation. And, and as we go into this series, my hope is that we will put on a new set of lenses, and we will see this book in a very different light than we have seen it in the past. And I hope you'll bring your Bibles with you, and I hope you will mark up your Bible so that the next time you're reading this on your own, you will have some references and some reminders, and God can help you beyond this sermon series. And so Revelation chapter 1, and I just want to pray before we read this. Father, we thank you for this book. We thank you for the hope that it gives us. We thank you that you have a message to communicate to your church. We thank you that for 2,000 years this book has encouraged your people. This book has given courage to your people. This book has helped your people. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to recapture the hope that is found in your word for us today. And Lord, I pray that there would be some who are here that are far from you that you would draw close. I pray that there are some who are walking with you that you would call to a greater level of obedience. And God, I pray for those who are watching online that you would stir in hearts and call us to what it is you have for each of us in your kingdom. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation chapter 1. <clears throat> this is the revelation from Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants the events that soon... Uh, must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is the report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. But God blesses the one, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says. Let me just say this. This book over and over and over calls us to listen. This book over and over calls us to turn and see. And, and how we respond to this, are we listening? Are we turning? Are we seeing? Are we doing the things God calls us to do is one of the core pieces of this book. For the time is near. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who always was and who is still to come from the sevenfold spirit before his throne 
And from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things. The first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the Spirit. And suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast, and it said, Write in a book everything you see, and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, and Rockledge. It doesn't doesn't say that. I just threw that in. When I just making sure you were paying attention. And when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. Standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, and he was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire, and his feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves, and he held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And this is the stuff that always weirds us out, and we picture this, and and we think, what's going on? God's word is a two-edged sword, and his voice speaks the truth of God's word. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and he said, don't be afraid. Let me say that one more time. He laid his right hand on me and he said, don't be afraid. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you need to receive that. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And let me remind you that it was Jesus who was in the midst of those seven lampstands. Jesus stands among his church, and he says, don't be afraid. This is God's word for us today, and we are thankful for it. 
So if you're a note taker, and I know all of you are, I mean, all of you just like can't wait to take notes and you're just eager. Um, and if you're not a note taker, you're missing out on knowing when I'm almost done. Um, uh, the first thing that you can write down is just this question, how do we responsibly interpret the book of Revelation? First of all, it's important um, to know that, that Revelation actually means a disclosure or a revealing. So it's not about hidden secrets. It's not about us trying to figure out where we are and what's happening and, and, and getting it all figured out. In fact, in your notes, you can just write this down. Revelation is not about finding a code to crack. And most of us look at this book and, and most of the teaching that's out there and most of the popular literature that's out there is all about figuring out how we can crack the code. And if we could just crack the code and if we could just figure it out, listen, the word revelation means revealing. It's not a secret. It's not a code to be cracked. It is an unveiling. It is a disclosure of things that God wants us to see. And, and we're looking at this book with all the wrong questions. And we're looking at this book with all of the, the, the wrong set of lenses. And um, I, in fact, in your notes, I've given you a, a bunch of resources. I've given you some books. Um, it, it, there are so many bad books out there on the book of Revelation. I want to give you some good ones. All right. And so it's in your notes. Um, if you're on version, it's uh, attached as well to that. Uh, but I just encourage you uh, to read some good books, to be encouraged uh, there's a lot of bad literature out there, so I just want to give you some good ones. In fact, some of these books are in our resource center, and you can check them out for free. And I would encourage you to do that, uh, because we need to understand that this, this is a, a book of hope. It is a book of disclosure. It is a book to unveil some things to us. And so, um, if I were to say to you this morning, uh, part, of, part of the reason that this is a, a hard book for us to understand is, is it's written in a prophetic, apocalyptic style of literature that has been lost to us. And we don't understand the style. And we don't understand uh, the symbols and, and the meanings that go behind it. And so if I were to say to you this morning that there was an eagle, and that eagle was divided in two by a donkey and an elephant, and every four years one of them consumed the other, you would know what I was talking about. I'd be talking about politics, right? Now, we would get that. But a thousand years from now, if somebody were to watch the message where I talked about the eagle that was divided in two, and every four years, the donkey or the elephant consumed the other, they would come up with all kinds of fanciful interpretations of what that was about and, and how that that would be. And, and I'm just telling you, the first readers of the book of Revelation, they understood the symbolism that was talked about. They, it wasn't confusing to them. They understood what was happening. And we're separated 2,000 years, and we're separated from the understanding of the Roman Empire and the symbols that represented the Roman Empire. And so we come up with all kinds of fanciful interpretations of what these things mean and what they stand for. And so in, the, in your notes, you can just write this down. First of all, we need to know it's not a code to crack. Second of all, in order uh, to responsibly interpret the book of Revelation, we have to first know something about the intended audience. 
We have to know who this book was originally written to and why was it written to them. We've got to know that if we're going to be able to responsibly interpret this. this. This book was not just written to 21st century Americans. How cruel would it have been for God to have John write a letter, a revelation of the message of Jesus to the churches, the seven churches in Asia Minor. How cruel would it have been for him to say, I'm going to give these churches to you, but there's, it won't do you any good and it's not for you and there's no message for you. It's really for people 2,000 years later in America and maybe the near future. Right? How cruel would that have been? It had meaning and it had purpose and it had value to the first years. And so whenever we're reading in Scripture, um, when, when we study Revelation, we don't start with the headlines of this morning's paper or this morning's news. We, we can see, uh, we, we don't see the news and then say, okay, where do we find that in the book of Revelation? That's not how we do this. We, instead, we start with the headlines in John's time and we say, are there any parallels to what was going on in John's time and what's going on in ours. And we begin to discover some truths in that. And so this book cannot mean for us what it did not mean for the first years. Let me say that again. This book cannot mean for us what it did not mean for the first years. It, we have to understand who the first audience was. Revelation 1-4 says this, This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. There were seven churches, and, and this is, again, symbolism, because seven was a perfect number. It was a complete number. It, it meant totality. And the, those, for John, what he was saying is, this was meant for seven specific churches, but it was meant for more than just seven churches. It was meant for all the churches, and it was a letter to go around, and it's meant for the capital church, and, and seven was this complete number. And so by saying this was meant for the seven churches, it was meant for the church. And it was written by John, the same John who wrote the gospel of John, the same John who wrote the epistles of first, second, and third John. John has been exiled to the island of Patmos because he's been preaching the gospel. And he, he sends this letter and it says this in Revelation 1, 9, I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. And so I just want you to see this, this picture of where the seven churches are. Um, and I don't, I don't know if we have a, a map. Um, and you can see over here is Patmos on this small little island right off of the southwest coast of Greece. And the Roman government had exiled John to this little island. And it was something that they would commonly do. And, and they, would, they would send people there. And he, had, he, he was there exiled when, when Jesus shows up and gives John this revelation. and says, send this message to the church. And so here's... Here's what I, I want us uh, to understand about the context of this. In 65 AD, for, for 30 years, when he writes this letter, for 30 years, the people of God had been enduring excruciating persecution. Something that we can't even wrap our heads around. In, in 65 AD, Emperor Nero started the first wave of persecution. And it was, it was the first time that the church had been not persecuted by the Jewish people, not 
persecuted by the synagogue, but it was actually Roman government persecution. And it came against them in a wave, and it was brutal. And, and they prayed, and they said, Lord, you know, can, can we get through this? You know, can you help us get through this? And, and when Nero left, there were another emperor after another emperor after another emperor that continued to persecute in terrible ways. In 95 AD, an emperor by the name of Domitian ordered that all citizens had to come to Rome he erected a temple to himself. He declared himself God. And this was a, pan, a, a society that was a, a pantheistic society so that every, there was all kinds of gods. Just add one more. No big deal. But he, he erected this temple to himself and he said, you had to come to Rome if you had the means and you had to take some incense and you had to throw it in the fire and you had to say, Caesar is Lord. And Christians refused to do it. And Christians said, Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. And as they did that, there was new waves of persecution and, and, and just excruciating things. There were times where, where Christians were dipped in oil and they were set on fire to be human torches. They were fed to animals. They were beheaded. In fact, in, um, in 90, uh, 92 A.D., there was uh, all kinds of, of just brokenness. But just a few years before that, in 70 AD, Jerusalem was destroyed. And Peter, Paul, and Timothy were all publicly executed. So just, just picture this. Think back 30 years. Where were you 30 years ago? Think about that. Think about for 30 years... If everything you knew was fear and terror and persecution and people that you knew were being dragged out and their lives were taken from them, that even if you weren't killed and even if you weren't imprisoned for following Jesus, you were cut out from the, from the marketplace and, and you, you couldn't have any means and wealth and you, you couldn't do certain things that you were completely, completely isolated and cut off. If you were a young Christian, this is all you knew. Some of you aren't 30 years old. You wouldn't even know what it was like to live before this ugly, ugly persecution. And, and part of the reason that we as Americans can't understand this book is we have no idea what it means to suffer for the name of Jesus. We, we can't wrap our heads around this book because we don't know what it's like to endure persecution because of Jesus. We are so comfortable and we are so just going through life and, and everything's good. And in fact, when, when there's a downturn in the stock market, we, what's going on? You know, we, 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 we watch our comfortable lives and our comfortable society and, and we have no idea what it is like to face persecution because we follow the name of Jesus. And they did. They understood all of this in this letter it was, was given to them. And in fact, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, this message is given to them. Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things. The first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. This message to these first hearers was, hey, listen, you're so wrapped up with all of these Roman emperors who are persecuting you and doing this. I want to remind you who's really on the throne. I want to remind you who is in charge. I want to remind you that they might think that they're in charge right now, but one day everything will be set right. And one day 
I will make all things right, and I have ultimate power, and I have ultimate authority. In fact, in your notes, you can write this down. The message of revelation to the first audience and the message of revelation to us is no matter how bad things look, never forget God is still on the throne. Now, that does not mean God is doing everything that you see that is evil and dark. Revelation makes it very clear to us who is our enemy. And Revelation makes it very clear the work that the enemy is doing. And we're going to see this as we go through this book together. And so it is a letter, first and foremost. It's, it's a prophecy. In fact, it, it says this. Um, it says in, um, in verse 9 that it is Revelation chapter 1. Verse 9 says this. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I'm exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God for my testimony about Jesus. And it says in verse 10 and 11, Jesus says to him in verse 11, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And so it is a letter. It is a letter that goes out. Uh, but it also says this in verse 3. It says, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy. So it's a letter and it is a prophecy. And we, we see whenever we're reading prophetic literature, most of us, we want to we say pro, Old Testament, New Testament. Prophetic literature for us is what's going to happen in the future. There's like a crystal ball kind of prophecy. That's not what biblical prophecy is about. Biblical prophecy is about thus saith the Lord. That, that's essentially what prophecy is. There are some times where prophecy will look forward but the heart of biblical prophecy is thus saith the Lord. And in, in verse 19, it actually, Jesus says, I want to talk to you about what's happening now and what will happen. And we want to look at Revelation all about what will happen. But listen, a lot of this book, the majority of this book is about what's happening right now. And it's been happening for 2,000 years. And Jesus wants us to see this and he wants to show it to us. And Revelation cannot be read in a linear fashion. So I'll come over here on this side. In a linear fashion, all right? So hang, hang with me. We're Westerners. We, we like things to be very linear, right? This happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. This book cannot be read in a linear fashion. In fact, you have to read it and you have to understand this isn't about what happens next and, and figuring out the timetable and the charts and where are we at in the chart and where are we at at the time. That, the, the book of Revelation cannot be read like that because it is not about a linear fashion. In fact, it's really that God is opening up windows for John. And, and John sees inside a window and he sees something. And so it's less about what happens next and it's more about what does God reveal to John? What is the window that opens next? Uh, we can see this because much later, we'll talk about this in the fall, in, in Revelation chapter 12, the Christmas story is talked about. 
And you think, how, how are we in chapter 12 and, and John is seeing the Christmas story? This woman who's pregnant, who's about to give birth to a baby, and there's a dragon who's waiting to destroy the baby. And it's, it's the story of Jesus being born. And it's, it's this Christmas story all the way in Revelation 12 because this is not a book that can be read in what comes next. We have to read it in what is revealed next. And it's not in chronological order. And some things are repeated and talked about multiple times just from a different set of lenses. And, and, and when you understand that, it gives you a whole different perspective about what we're seeing in the book of Revelation. So, God is... It, the last thing is, this is a letter. It's a prophecy. But it's also apocalyptic literature. The, the word revelation in, in Greek is apocalypsis. It's, it means to reveal. And it, it's essentially to say, I want to show you what's happening, what you can't see what's happening. I, I want to reveal to you some things that are going on, not that are going to go on, but are going on right now that you can't see. I want to show you the, the things that, that you cannot see. See, to, to wake us up to some unseen things. Um, what, is it, what does it look like for us to picture and see the things of God? If, if you look at all the brokenness and you look at all the pain and you look at all the sin and you look at, you know, I, I know none of you have anybody that bothers you, right? Like none of, none of you do that, some people, though, some people at other churches, some people have people that really bother them, really annoy them, really bug them. And if you look at those people that really bother you, really annoy you, really bug you, and you see them as the enemy, and you don't recognize that there is an enemy behind the scenes that you can't see that is working through other people, that is working through brokenness in the world, that is working in sinful ways, if you can't see the enemy behind the people and the brokenness and the sin of the world, what happens is, is you start to hate the people that are bothering you. You start to hate the people and the situations that are going. Just think about the, the early Christians in Rome who had been persecuted brutally for 30 years. How easy would it have been for them to hate the Romans? How easy would it have been for them to be so angry at the, hate, the Romans and and? But the Romans are the very people that Christianity began to reach with the gospel. The, the Romans were the very people that they loved so much in the midst of persecution that they cared for in the midst of all the evil that they were doing that Romans themselves began to turn to Jesus and say, I don't, I don't know what it is about these Christians. I don't, how is it possible for them to love and go through all of this stuff? And it was, the, it was the very people that were persecuting them that came to know Christ. That would have never happened if the Romans were the enemy of the church. And I'm telling you, we as the church have made enemies of people that we should not make enemies of. There are people that are full of sin. There are people that are full of brokenness. There are people that are full of evil. There are people that, that are doing just really terrible things. They are not our enemy. They are people that we are to love. they are people that we're to compel to know the grace that we ourselves have received. And, and we've got to help them encounter the same Jesus who's changed our lives so that he can change their lives. They're not the enemy. Whoever it is that's bugging you, 
Whoever it is that's making you angry, whoever it is that you find yourself hating, they are not your enemy. There is an enemy behind the scenes that cannot, you cannot see. And Revelation wants to show us that. Revelation wants us to see that there is an enemy that we cannot see. I want you to hear this last passage. This, we've read this three times. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And I'm, I'll, I'll land the plane with this. Some of you are wondering, when's he going to land the plane? Um, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. The last part of that passage says this. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. Listen, if, if you are a follower of Jesus here today, then my hope for you is as we go through this book of Revelation, that you will have your eyes opened up to the places that you have been coaxed to sleep, that you have become so comfortable in your Christianity You've become so comfortable in your lifestyle that you have forgotten that we're in the midst of a spiritual warfare and that there is an enemy that wants to destroy your soul, to wants to destroy your family, that wants to destroy everything you love. And that enemy is not other people. That enemy is not other groups. That enemy is not other nations. That enemy is Satan himself. And, and Revelation wants us to see that. And be aware of that. And my prayer is, is that, you know, so many of us, we, we want a revelation. We, we, want, we want a new word. I, you know, I, I knew when I said we were going to have a series on the book of Revelation that we would have record attendance. I, I knew that. Um, why? Because so many of us, we want a word. We, we want to know what's happening. We, and and here's, here, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what I want to challenge you with that you would be less interested in getting new knowledge from God and you would be more interested with being obedient with what he's already told you. Because you already know some stuff and you're not doing it all. I know that because there have been times in my life where I've known some stuff and I wasn't doing it. There are, there are things in your life, if you're a follower of Jesus here or online, that you... You know God wants you to begin doing, and you just haven't done it yet. Where, where are those areas that you need to surrender? Your, your delayed obedience. You just say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to begin being obedient right now. What is that for you? And there are some of you here that aren't followers of Jesus yet. Some of you online are not followers of Jesus yet. And I want you to hear what this passage says. That Jesus loves you. This isn't, this isn't me, a preacher, telling you that Jesus loves you. Go, go back to that passage on that screen. I want you to see these words that Jesus himself says he loves you. He, he absolutely cares for you. It's by his blood that was shed on the cross that he wants to free you from the things that bind you up. And, and this... This book is a book of hope for you, and I, I just want to invite you in. 
And I want you to know that you can be a part of this. So I just want to pray. We're, we're not going to sing a closing song today. I want, I want you to leave with the weight of God's word and the hope of God's word resting on you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to wrestle with, am I being obedient to what I know? Because he can't give you anything new until you start obeying what you already know. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to step in, to turn away from your sins, and to begin following Jesus and saying, I'll go your way, because ultimately there's only hope in that. Would you bow your heads and let's just pray together. Father, thank you for this book that is a book filled with hope for your people. God, we, we hear messages of fear all day long. We hear messages of fear from the news. We hear messages of fear from family members. We hear messages of fear from, from everything that's around. There is, there is bad things happening right around us. There's bad things happening in the Ukraine and Russia. There are bad things happening in our nation, there are bad things happening everywhere around the world. And, and as we, we hear that and we get consumed with it and we, we begin to, to believe that, that that is the narrative of this world and, and somehow that is all there is to see. And I'm so thankful for this book that pulls the curtain back and shows us there is things going on in the heavenly realm that we have no idea. There is things going on in the heavenly realm that are working all things out. And if we can hold on, and if we can stand fast, and if we can put our trust in you and our courage in you, that in the end you reign, and in the end you rule and you will wipe away every tear and every brokenness and every place of pain and there will be no more war. And there will be no more fear. And there will be no more sickness. And there will be no more death. And God, we long for that day. But in the meantime, we pray that you would help us trust you. We pray that you would help us be obedient to you. And for those that haven't stepped into a relationship with you, Lord, I pray that, that they would have a whole new understanding of your love. That you're not God the executioner, God the destroyer. That you are God the redeemer that you are God the healer, that you are God the restorer, that you are God that can take the worst of broken lives and put them back together, and you can take the worst of this world and you can make good. Help us to see that, Lord. Help us to trust you. Help us as we leave here to go with hope no matter what the world throws at us because you are on the throne. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you go from here today, go knowing this. God's not wringing his hands in heaven thinking, what am I going to do about Putin? God's not wringing his hands in heaven thinking, what, what am I going to do about this COVID thing that took me off guard? God is not wringing his hands in heaven wondering what's going to happen with, with all these things. He is on the throne. He is good, he is holy, he is right. And if we walk with him and if we obey him, he will make all things right in our lives and in this world. Go in his peace. May you have hope as you leave here today. And I look forward to seeing you back next week as we talk about the letters written 
to the churches. You're dismissed.